It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And tomorrow, we'll be doing all of that from the NFL Combine. We're on Radio Row in Indianapolis. And to get us ready, uh, one of my favorite people to see out in Indy. Can't wait to see him in person, hopefully tomorrow. We typically run into each other very early in the day. Uh, it is Eric Edholm from NFL.com and NFL Media. Double E, how we doing, man? It's your week. It's Combine week. It is. It's a big week. Yeah. I mean, not just for uh, draft stuff, obviously a lot of meeting of the minds and in, uh, in the after hours, uh, early mornings, <laughs> what have you, free agents uh, uh, looming, certainly yep. with the agents all in town. It's a big week. So yeah, I'm excited, man. Yeah, it's, it's a great week. Um, always something to look forward to every year. There's a reason why um, all of us keep going. So let's let's get into what this week is, though, because I think there's kind of the, obviously the the glorification by the league of the workouts. They've now put it in prime time. You know, it's it's the underwear Olympics. Everyone's heard all those lines before. But as you actually prepare for this week, what are some of the things that you are looking for, especially some of these top names, whether it's the top quarterbacks or a guy like Marvin Harrison aren't going to do much, if anything, this week? Yeah, it sounds like uh, you know a few of the quarterbacks won't be throwing. I mean, you know, again, not a not a shocker. We see this every year, and you know, I always say, I always joke to people. I'm like, can you even remember who threw at the combine? I mean, obviously, those of us who go and watch it on TV pretty closely do. But I think the point being, right, just because somebody doesn't throw or work out at the combine doesn't mean their their NFL prospects are doomed, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, it often provides a a showcase, you know, I mean, DJ Turner running a four two nine, I think, you know, helped his cause as an undersized corner last year and, you know, other uh, other players that outperform their expectations athletically is, is certainly something that can move the needle a little bit. There's obviously a, a, a quotient that we don't always get the full info on, which is the interview process, certainly part of the, the you know, the, the full – picture you're trying to build on on a, on a draft class and a prospect individually but also the medical stuff and you know that that gets leaked out over time usually or we'll find out some information while we're in India occasionally but you know when you boil it down I think really the interview and injury uh, information end up outweighing any athletic testing stuff and you know it's, it's really great to see the guys throw in person you can always I thought Mobile was very valuable in terms of balancing and weighing the the arm talent of the different quarterbacks there and you can get something out of this uh this process as well from that perspective yeah no doubt about it um and i will say like my i've only gotten the chance to watch the guys throw once it was like the first year they let a select group of media in now of course media yeah. can go watch the workouts and the most impressive thrower i saw was dwayne haskins who wound up in washington and obviously right. you know obviously the, that story took a, a sad and tragic turn at the very end in terms of his his life but um as a quarterback it, it didn't work in the league so you can only get so much from that yeah. that anyway um in terms of guys that are going to work out that we we know this week is really important to them um and it could be some first rounders could be some guys that you think you know they have a good week and and right now they they're later in the draft they bump up and they could be really good nfl players like this is what you do you're you're the draft guy uh when it comes to nfl.com so what who are some of the guys that you have your eyes on going into this week yeah, I think if you start a quarterback, there, there's, there's probably two really interesting stories that, that could come out of this week, and, and one would be Drake May. I mean, with, with Caleb Williams uh, not expected to throw or work out, I'm sure he'll interview and do stuff behind the scenes. But, um, you know, 
possible number one overall pick. We don't know what's gonna, going on in Chicago. We don't know what's happening elsewhere, but pretty good bet. He's either going first or second. But, you know, May is somebody who is expected to work out. We haven't heard definitively yet, but it uh, sounds like he'll give it a go. And, you know, there, there's some impressive stuff on this kid. I mean, some people saying he's got some some Justin Herbert to him, some Joe Burrow, you know, really athletic and talented guy. He's got great bloodlines and how he throws can, can maybe change the conversation a little bit. I don't think it's a consensus that, that, you know, Caleb Williams is unquestionably the top quarterback on every team's draft board. Now, whether that impacts the top spot or not, I don't know, but you know, the difference between one and two is big. I mean, I know it sounds like one spot, but you know, financially speaking, and then also, you know, football-wise and how it all works out, it can have a huge impact. We saw Trevon Walker surpass uh, Aiden Hutchinson a few years back, and, you know, we're still talking about and debating that one to this day. So, you know, how May performs is going to be fascinating. Michael Penix, I think, is a big one. I mentioned the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, the injury stuff. He has a litany of injuries. Four season-ending injuries in his career, uh, two shoulders, two ACLs. You know, had the ankle that he that he banged up in the national title game. Had a few other uh, little nicks and bruises along the way. So, you know, there's going to be a more scrutinized player in Indy. I don't know of one. I mean, I think he's going to be one of the big potential gainers or losers based on what comes out of his evaluation. We know he can throw it. I mean, obviously he's got a golden arm, but the the, the medical testing for me is going to end up deciding not only his ceiling, but also his floor as a prospect. So that's a big one right there. I think some players like Lad McConkey and Roman Wilson, who are productive college receivers, but come with maybe, I don't say suspicion, but can they be true number ones? Or can they be, you know, lead receivers for, for good football teams and, and how well they test for, not say smaller guys, but not bigger receivers, right? Especially in this class where there's a lot of length, there's a lot of athleticism, um, you know, bigger framed receivers than those two guys. But both went down to Mobile, perform well. Wilson's expected to run well. I bet McConkey runs better than people think he will. And and by also running, I mean, some of the agility drills as well, free cone and all that stuff, 20-yard shuttle. I mean, those those matter for receivers who are, who are shiftier, you know, change of direction guys. So I think those are two big ones. And then I guess, you know, if we're sticking with like the fantasy football kind of angle here, right? the running back position is really interesting to me in that we don't have a clear cut number one right now. I'll be curious to see if one or two, you know, emerge out of the group right now. And there are you know, plenty of guys like Jonathan Brooks from Texas who have, you know, injury questions as well. And yeah, I would just say that, for, for as strong an offensive draft as this is, we, the running back in position is probably the most unsettled at the top as far as you know who might be the first two or three backs off the board. That's super interesting, especially considering how diluted the position has become, generally speaking. Uh, Eric Edholm, mm. lead draft writer, NFL.com, is with us here on the Hoffman Show, getting us ready for the NFL Combine this week in Indianapolis. So if we talk about the quarterbacks and who Washington is circling at number two, obviously, if Williams drops, he's in the mix. May, Jaden Daniels. And then, you know, I, I guess one of the questions I would have, Eric, is like part one of the question is, which one of those top three guys do you think fits best with Washington with what Cliff wants to build, which still seems pretty 
undefined that he's he's flexible in, in what he wants to build but knowing what we know about sure. cliff like which which of those guys would you be targeting if you were him and then i guess the second thing i, w- I would love to get your perspective on is how big is the gap to the next three guys if all of a sudden an atlanta for instance at eight gives you a massive offer to trade down and you know you still want to take quarterback but like how big is the, the drop to Penix, mccarthy and Knicks, assuming those are your next three yeah, right, in whatever order, too. I mean, that's the interesting part. I mean, J.J. McCarthy probably helped himself by, you know, not going to the Senior Bowl. Not, I mean, he could have, I guess. But, you know, it was one of those things where sometimes a player not being an event uh, where Nick started slowly and, you know, got better as the week went on and Penix started out pretty well and then kind of leveled off and didn't play in the game. You know, McCarthy all of a sudden is a fascinating guy and, and how high he goes will be a big story this week, too. So that's that folds into what Washington's trying to do is, is figure out, hey, if, if, you know, if we don't get Caleb and obviously the ties there, you know, he's a D.C. kid and Cliff had him last year. And, um, you know, it's easy to see how he would be, be a franchise igniter, right? I mean, you, you add that kind of name power and talent to a, to a team that's been a little bit woebegone in some ways. And, hey, you know, there's buzz. So, I can obviously see why why he would be an easy connection to make the air raid offense and all that, but still, Caleb Mays came from uh, I mean, uh, Caleb Mays, excuse me, uh, Drake Mays, excuse me, came from a very similar system in North Carolina. You know, flawed as it may be, I mean, he ran it really well at times, and obviously has NFL ability. So, you know, it wouldn't be hard to project him in that offense as well. Kid from just down the road, I don't know that he would generate quite as much buzz, but. He's got some name value to him for sure. And the talent is what you're really most curious about. I mean, look, you know, there was an interesting debate last year with with Stroud and Bryce Young and, you know, how that whole class shook out and who was the the real star of the group. Was there a star in the group? Well, we got kind of a fascinating answer last year. I mean, I don't know that anyone expected the gap to be as big as it showed after one season, you know, situations be damned and all that. So, I don't know. You know, I don't know that there's a massive difference. If you had a fully healthy Michael Penix, like no injury questions, first of all, he probably would have come out before this, but still, sure. how good is he? You know, I mean, that's the question you have to ask yourself. Maybe there isn't a massive gap between the top three and, and the next three, so to speak. Yeah, I think the other interesting factor that I have real trouble squaring is the age part of it. And Daniels Mm -hmm. and Penix and Knicks are all older guys. The other three are all younger. Um, And McCarthy's like, really young may's actually pretty young um they're actually pretty close to the same age like how does that two-year gap both affect the evaluation of like okay well yeah he was awesome as a senior but he was a 23 year old going up against 19 year olds and also how nfl teams factor that into what they'll ultimately get out of the player yeah i mean what it might tell you for an older prospect is that you know what you what you see what you've seen so far is probably going to be closer to their ceiling, right? That's probably, again, the difference between college and NFL has to be weighed and, and factored in and all that. But, you know, the idea being that a lot of NFL teams feel like most athletes sort of hit their, their peak, maybe not mentally speaking, but physically, somewhere in that, you know, 22 to 23 range. So, you know, is, is Jane Daniels going to be better than he was last year? Can he make strides as a passer? He's got a talented arm. He can obviously throw on the move. 
you know, his running ability is unquestioned, I think, at this point. But, you know, is there is there upward mobility for him to develop as a passer? The obvious answer is yes, but how much? And, you know, I look at Burrow as a good example. I mean, he was older than what Penix will be coming into this class, relatively speaking, 24 uh, after the draft. I think he turns May or something like that. He turns 24. So, you know, is that ancient? No. 25 and above, you're starting to really kind of push it a little bit. But I, I feel like 24 still kind of gives you a little bit of leeway based on the success of some other rookie quarterbacks who've entered the league at that age. But there are some highly analytic-driven front offices that just don't see the value in taking that player at that point. You know, obviously at a certain point in the draft they would, but based on where they're likely to go, probably wouldn't be their first choice. And it's an interesting approach. I mean, everyone's got a kind of a different view on that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, remember when Brandon Whedon was a first-round pick at 28? Oh, yeah. Why did 29 do- years old, whatever he was, yeah. the rookie, yeah, yeah, 28, first round, uh, oldest first round selection ever, 22nd overall by the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. That was that was a different era of Cleveland Browns football, uh, thankfully for, yeah, for Cleveland Yeah, they won't fans. touch anybody over 22 now, it seems. It's unbelievable, maybe, right? Maybe they learned their lesson uh, with specifically Brandon <laughs> Whedon. Uh, Eric Edholm, yep. uh, always welcome here on the Hoffman Show, but especially uh, you will always hear him this time of year uh, around the draft. Eric, uh, safe travels to Indy. I will see you there, my friend, and thanks as always for your time. Looking forward to it, buddy. See you there. All right, that sounds good. Uh, see you hopefully tomorrow. Uh, that's Eric Edholm with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, still to come on this radio program, which is not quite done yet. No, no, we still have much more uh, here on the show. We will talk with Logan Paulson. Uh, well, you'll hear my talk with Logan Paulson. We'll take command action from you getting ready uh, for the Combine from a different uh, perspective coming up at 6.30. Uh, and we'll do more Combine Talk uh, as we get you ready next. Tomorrow's show's uh, live from Indy, so keep getting you ready here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, After dark here, Uh, we've shifted again. I feel like we had gotten past this. That or I just, Vic, I might have been out so long I don't remember anything. But I know that daylight savings time is coming soon. Is that this weekend? Uh, it might be. Might be next week. I have it on my calendar. I do too. I to, but um, we spring see. forward one hour. Right, and that makes it less. So at two a.m., it would actually be three a.m. Right. Um, which you, you lose an hour, but it it you know we'd be done by now. Uh, right? yeah, that's because it, it's it's seven twenty. Uh, the tenth is when that happens. Yep, Sunday, March tenth. Sunday, March tenth. Um. No, this weekend we get something totally different. We get Formula One back this weekend, which I'm excited about. You're a for, you're Formula One guy? Thank, me and millions of other Americans who watch Drive to Survive and got hooked. Wow. Are you? No. You watch Drive to Survive? Mm-mm. Never even heard of it. You have Netflix? I do have Netflix, yes. You should watch Drive to Survive. I don't Just racing's not my thing. It wasn't mine either. You were not a racing guy. No. You watched this, and now you're hooked. Yeah. I don't know. At the very least, I'm not saying you'll get hooked on, like, you'll actually watch the races, but the show, it's 10 episodes. There's now season, I think this is season six that's out now, that just came out on Friday. Happy birthday to me. Um, you'll, I think you'll like the show. It's the drama of sports. How long is the episodes? Is it 30? They're 40-ish. 40-ish minutes. I just don't know if I have the time for it. 
Oh, you're a very busy man. Yeah, very busy. What do you do during the day, Vic? Play Madden. Mm. <laughs> I got I got Super Bowls to win. You do with <laughs> Sam Howe. Yes. With Sam Howe. Yeah. Um, funny, funny about it. I am curious. So apparently, Ralph Vacciano from Fox Sports actually did some of the reporting um, that allegedly, Sam, like, there are teams that are interested in like a third round pick uh, for Sam. Or he he. Someone posited to him, not that teams are interested, not that he was like, I have a team that is interested in a third round pick, but or in giving a third round pick for Sam Howell. But he's like, well, if Trey Lance got a fourth. Why couldn't Sam Howell get a third? And it's like, and then that turned into a whole new cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious to see if there is a vast Sam Howell discussion in Indianapolis. Because I don't think he'll be a, a topic. I just don't. I'd rather have him as a backup. Or even a starter, and then whoever we draft, sit on the sidelines for a few games. Well, I mean, the thing is with with um, with with how like he I don't know how well he knows this offense. Like, if it's a similar air raid system to what he ran in North Carolina, potentially, then maybe he's helpful. But like, what does he offer? He's a and I again I like Sam, and I was midway through the season like I think this dude's a future starting quarterback. Like I would be there and then I saw the rest of the season but like he doesn't have a vast amount of experience so like I would say this like if you can get a third rounder you should do that today oh hands down yeah you drafted him as a fifth rounder two years are gone off of his rookie contract and you can get a third rounder back that's a return on investment baby it is but who would who would think about that there's no chance that anyone would offer that that's what I don't understand I, I, I truly don't understand it at all. Like, what team is like what team is is offering that? Like, I understand conceptually, if Lance got a fourth, wouldn't you take a third for Sam? Like, yeah, because um, I think Sam's proven to be the better NFL quarterback. Trey Lance hasn't gotten to play a whole lot. Um, well, what but, what teams would be in the market for like a Sam Howell? Yeah, but I, I like I truly don't know. Like I could see. All right, let me play this out. Let me let me try to do this in my head. Like, let's say Minnesota resigns Kirk, but they're not confident he's going to start the season. Would you be willing to trade a third to have Kirk Cousins insurance in the form of Sam Howell? I don't know about a third, maybe a fourth or a fifth. That's too expensive for a placeholder. Uh, just too expensive. For Minnesota. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But, like, maybe that's the kind of team that does it? I mean. Like, you you, could, you kind of need, like, someone who you think might play, but maybe also. Maybe Denver, but I feel like maybe they would be in more, like, J.J. McCarthy. Right, but, like, the, at that point, right. why, don't you, why not just draft the guy? Right. Which is why no one will spend on a Sam Howell. Expensive. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. Don't Seahawks? Get it. I mean, you like Geno Smith. You would take Geno Smith over Sam Howell? Yeah, I'm, I don't even like Geno Smith. Right. I don't like Geno Smith. I do like Sam Howell. I'd rather have Geno start for me tomorrow. Yeah. No one else in the NFC West. Um, and plus, they have Drew Locke as a backup. I think he's got one more year left, although he might be on the free agent market. Um, I just, I, it's like, I don't even know what the, the profile. I mean, I get, like, if you're the Rams, right, and you've got, staffer who gets hurt every single year and you need a guy who you think for three games can keep you afloat or again if you're if you're the Jets and you're not if you're scared about Rodgers coming back 
and or you're Minnesota and you're scared about Kirk, I get it. That would be the kind of team. But I don't think those guys are giving up a third. And, like, you want someone who's got a little bit of experience. You don't want a young guy. You're ready to win now. How about And, and you're Steelers? hoping that he, he keeps you afloat. I mean, I guess. they they got to figure out their starter. Is Pickett the guy? I, I, I honestly might think Sam Howell's better than Kenny Pickett. I would probably agree with that. <laughs> um, I don't know. if you I Vic, apparently we can go play for Mike Tomlin. Uh this is so actually this is this is something I want to talk about tomorrow um, because we have one of the things we're doing tomorrow on the show from Indy is we're going to do this is probably going to be my topic actually we're doing a, a reporter an NFL roundtable basically and it's going to be me Brooke Pryor who covers the Steelers for ESPN uh, Ben Solak who writes about all things football and is an X's and O's guru for the Ringer and then we'll have one other. Uh, person on the panel as well, TBD. Uh, I don't want to give a name until it's finalized. Um, but I want to ask, with Brooke on the panel as someone who's covered Tomlin, Solak who covers the league, and one of the people we're considering covers another very good team, like with Quinn coming here, what makes a great NFL head coach? And I really want to know Brooke's answer as someone who's covered Tomlin. And so... I, I long wind up in shameless self-promotion of our radio show tomorrow to say, Vic, I do think the Steelers would still win nine games if we played quarterback. <laughs> He's never had a losing season, ever. That's crazy. Not one. Not the, one. the fact that people were thinking that he was going to potentially be available as a head coach is asinine to think. I, w- I never entertained it for a second. Never did. Not one. Nope. The Steelers don't fire coaches, and he's too good. Um. If you're going to fire a guy and everyone else would fight over your guy, you shouldn't fire that guy. Right. Um, that's kind of typically how that goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we are live from Indianapolis starting tomorrow for a couple of days of shows from Radio Row at the NFL Combine. Incredible guest lists. All NFL insiders, draft Knicks, like anybody who's anybody covering this thing. Um we got like 90% of those people on the show. And the other ones, we just, I, my flight got in too late, which is a bummer. Uh, but excited to do that over the next couple of days. There's also a chance we have some commanders folks on the show. Uh, still working on through the details of that. So obviously if that comes through, we will uh, promote the hell out of it. So you'll know. That's, that's a service. That's not us shamelessly promoting. That's us doing a service to you so you know when to listen. And if you can't listen, we do another service. It's called a podcast. And you can get that anywhere you get your podcast just by searching for The Hoffman Show. We get back a clip of a different podcast. Uh, still still the same host, though. Uh, Take Command, Logan and I talked about the continuing trend of top players sitting out of the NFL Combine. Worth it or not? Uh, mistake or not? Logan and I discuss next on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, Take Command Podcast, of course, me and Logan Paulson. You can catch it multiple times per week in your favorite podcast app. And we give you little snippets, little previews, uh, some good discussion here on the show. Uh, And this latest uh, uh, clip that we're going to give you is actually for a podcast that's not out yet. Uh, you can catch it on YouTube tonight and in your podcast feed first thing tomorrow morning in full. But we started off the show talking about how uh, top prospects like Marvin Harrison Jr. and some of the top quarterbacks are not working out. And what does that mean 
for the NFL and the NFL Combine before we head there ourselves starting tomorrow. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast. What's up? What's happening? That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. We are sitting in our homes in the greater D.C. area. But, Logan, it is Combine Week. We are headed to Indy soon. Yeah, headed to Indy soon. Very exciting. Always, you know, it's like the uh, like the reunion for the NFL every time it's out there. And it's also fun to see all those young athletes come out and kind of do incredible stuff. So. So it's a it's a reunion that actually launches us perfectly. I don't think you did this on purpose, but uh, you're just so talented. You just you're just mm, chef's kiss. So good at this. Uh, it kind of launches us into our first topic, which is the reunion's not as big as it used to be. Yeah, um, you yeah. now have a lot of NFL coaches that are not going. Commanders. Um, I heard Kime say on his pod the other day that they're not sending any of their assistants out there. DQ is going for a short, a very short time. Um, in part just to do his media responsibilities. And then he's headed back because there's so much work. I know LaFleur and the Packers staff not going. Like, there's a lot. I don't think Sean and Kevin have gone for the past couple of years. I, Kevin was there last year for a short time. But, like, those guys get in and out pretty quick. Yeah. Some of them do the press conference. Some of them are now skipping the press conference and saying, I don't even care about that. Mm. So it, it's – but they're certainly not staying for the workouts. And they're letting their scouts and that the college operation do that. And then on the player side, you have top guys, I would say, doing even less than ever. We've always had top guys, top quarterbacks, especially not throw. You know, certain guys won't run certain drills. But you have a guy now like in Marvin Harrison, according to Albert Breer's reporting this morning, that he's not even training for any of this stuff. He's not even going to do a pro day. Like, he's training for football next year. Mm. And I think there's a lot of, obviously, offshoots about this. But as the NFL, as a league, is pumping the combine up as this big entertainment event, what do we make about the fact that the people inside the league, players, coaches, our prospects and coaches, seem to be making less of it? So I don't know if they're making less of it. I think just times have changed. And what I mean by that is, like, I think, you know, when you talk to guys from the Miami Dolphins or guys from San Francisco, you know, they don't, Kyle doesn't send anybody out anymore. They record the whole event. And so I remember talking to a couple of coaches from Miami last year, basically saying like, I don't need to watch the on-field stuff anymore because I can watch it on tape. And it's easier for me to compare tape to tape as opposed to seeing some guys in person and some guys, um, you know, on tape where I don't get the opportunity to see them at the combine or whatever it is. So I do think because of technology, because of Zooms, because of all this different stuff, like the, the how people are engaging with the combine is different. It's still extremely important. Like, don't get that twisted. It's still a huge data point for all the scouts and everybody. And if they're not going to do stuff at the combine, they're definitely going to do it at the pro days. But um, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. And I think it's, you know, to your other point that the, the, the kind of higher level guys aren't really doing stuff. I think it's smart. I think it's smart. If you are Marvin Harrison jr. The only thing that can happen for you is bad. Like, what do you run a four, two? Are you going to go any higher? No. Like you're going to go where you're going to go. Right. They have all this GPS data now that in like, when you talk to teams, a lot of teams, like I know the LA Rams, for example, utilize that very heavily. Right. They don't care so much about the 40. They care more about your GPS numbers. So his GPS numbers are great. I think there's stuff uh, earlier reports uh, uh, that came out this year of him running 23 miles an hour in a game. So if I'm him, I'm like, you have that information. I'll interview, I'll do whatever you want, but I'm not testing because if I don't test well, then what's the point? And I think that's something that uh, as you move up, like I think a good example is like Dallas Goddard from a couple of year ago, years ago, like never ran a 40. He came to the combine, did the interviews. I think he met it on the bench press or something, but he didn't do any explosive measurements and he didn't run. 
And I remember thinking like he looks really slow on film, but the one way to confirm that is to run really slow in a 40. If I don't run, all I have is the film and it looks pretty good. So I think that's something that people need to understand is people now are getting advised by their agents like, hey man, don't test. And I totally respect that because the the teams are losing leverage in this scenario. Yeah. And if you're Marvin Harrison, you're like, hey, 1400 yards, 12 touchdowns, back-to-back seasons. Like, what am I going to prove in 4.3 or 4.4 seconds? Absolutely nothing. And so I think it's smart, but also I, I think it's a great opportunity for guys down you know, down the draft board to prove their worth. Like a second round guy becomes a first rounder because he does go out and run a four three right. and everyone thought he was a four five guy. Um and especially if they can back it up at the pro day. You know, I think some of the the measurements become really, really important, which, you know, some of those are things you can train for. Like if you're JJ McCarthy coming in at two fifteen instead of two oh five does you does you a, a, a huge solid yeah. versus, you know, your arm length is your arm length. That is that is what it is. There's no training arm length. Um so there's there's I think a huge opportunity for guys, you know, that are at the back end. And it's really like I think in terms of percentages, we're talking about the maybe top one, two, maybe three percent of guys that shouldn't run. The top one to two guys at each position, maybe at a position like quarterback, you you say none of those guys should really do a whole lot. Those top three, but if you're anybody else, this is such a massive opportunity. So I don't I don't want to get it twisted to say that like everybody shouldn't do this stuff. Like no, if you're if you're locked in as a top ten pick, yeah, okay, fine. If not, you're trying to get into that top ten. And from, you know, the way the salaries are slotted, that's worth it. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I think, it's, it, to your point, it's just important. Like, it, it can help you, right, in certain cases. Like, so, for example, like, I was talking to an agent before the Senior Bowl. And the Senior Bowl is a great opportunity to get in front of coaches and look really good. And the guy was like, you know, I don't want my guy to go because he's got a he's got a top, I think it was a top 60 grade. So, it means he's going to be a first or second round player. And he's kind of got an ankle injury. I don't want him to go put bad film on tape and people to be able to hold that against them. It's the same thing here, right? If you're going to run fast, you want to go run at the combine. If you're going to run slow, don't run. Leave it to the imagination. You have all this film that kind of speaks for itself. And, um, you know, I know some of the quarterbacks aren't doing stuff, which is a little bit disappointing. I think we're going to talk about that later. But I think for the majority of people, it's very advantageous. I think a good example of this is like Talisi Fuaga, the, the Oregon State tackle, goes to the Senior Bowl and – you have to measure when you go, right? And so his arms are 33 inches, which are a little bit shorter than you want for ideal tackle. So now after that measurement, you're like, well, maybe he's more of a guard. He's still a good football player. But I think that's where like the general measurements, the general weights are all still extremely important. Like as, as far as evaluation go for teams to kind of meet their minimum thresholds and things like that. So while some of the top guys aren't doing stuff, it's still an incredibly important event. Because it gives you kind of this baseline. I think you hear like Mel Kuyper Jr. talk about this all the time. Like it's it's the thing that separates people. So, for example, if Malik Neighbors goes out and run, runs a 4-2 and looks great in the field work and looks like that dude, do you hold that against Marvin Harrison Jr.? Because I know some teams right now in conversations have Malik Neighbors ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. And I was reading something earlier them? today that uh, a lot more teams – I'm trying to remember who wrote this. But it might have been – it might have actually been uh, Breer – said that a lot of teams have, or a lot more teams than the public realizes have yeah. neighbors ahead of Harrison. Yeah, and I think when you look at the the receiver position now, like those bigger guys, they struggle at the NFL level a little bit. You know what I mean? In terms of creating consistent separation, obviously you have your exceptions, but I think when you look at Malik Neighbors, he's much more of a modern NFL receiver mold, and I think that's why people are so excited about him. And if he goes out and runs a 4-3 and, and catches the ball the way he's caught the ball, all season long, like 
that's going to be a, a very emphatic stamp on the process. And for me, like I don't, I don't, as a, as a player, I totally empathize with Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's doing the right thing for him, but as a talent evaluator and as a coach, you know, at a different level than the NFL, for example, I'm like, are you hiding from something? Are you slower than people think? And, um, and that's something that I know a lot of coaches when you, when a lot of scout, not coaches, a lot of scouts feel that way. Like, why are you hiding from this measurement? Are you not as fast as people think you are? And when you watch the film, sometimes you're like, man, like how fast is he really, you know, like when he gets in space, he's not pulling away from people the way you think he should. Like that, that's not to say like, I'm not criticizing Marcus Harrison Jr., but I do think it gives some people, some scouts an opportunity to kind of say, to peck at this, what up to this point has been an, an, an immaculate evaluation process. You know, he's, he's the guy. He's one of the best receivers I've ever evaluated. But now you're going to say, oh, well, he's not running. Is he slower than we think? Let's compare him to Malik, who ran and did well and did all this stuff. Maybe maybe kind of shifts the tide there a little bit. Yeah, to me, I'm, maybe this is me being like a, a silly talk show host. But to me, that screams like bias, like a personal bias in terms of 100%, like. 100%. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you didn't do my part of it? Yes. I, I watched your tape all year and I came to your game. So now you're not doing my event. You're not doing yeah. my underwear Olympics. Like, well, it's relax. A big part for, it's a big thing for them. You know, it's a it big is, part but of. But I, I think to your point earlier, though, like I would much rather, I know we talked about this last year as this became much bigger part of the evaluation. I'd much rather rely on GPS data yeah, than I would on, on 40. So I don't really, not to say I don't care about the 40. But you know we're gonna we're gonna do our our second annual crossover podcast <laughs> in Indy with uh, the Train with the Best podcast, my other podcast, and we'll talk about the difference between training for the combine versus training for football. As Marvin Harrison is like done that in a way that I don't remember any other prospect like hourly yeah. being like, yeah, I'm not training for this stuff. But like, you have to train as a track athlete to run a good forty. You don't have to train as a football player. Right. GPS data is the data speed wise of a football player. That mm. matters more to me. I, I agree. I think I think that's where teams are at. And I think, like you said, like there is there still value in the 40? Absolutely. I think yeah. it just shows you what kind of explosive athlete they are, right? So like when you look at, I think um, uh, Quan is a really good example of that, right? You know, he runs like a 4.5 or, or whatever he ran, but then has a 44-inch vert and like over, a t over like a 10.5-foot broad. And you're like, this dude's an explosive son of a gun. And I think it gives you an athletic bias of like, this is the mold, this is the the clay that we're working with. And this is what the clay is capable of. And I think um, with a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., like to your point, like he's a top five pick. He's probably gonna be a top five pick, maybe top 10, top 10 pick, pick for sure. Like there's no reason for him to do anything. Like, right. and, and in some ways, like I think, I think it's probably very wise of him to train football because it, I think it kind of leads into a, a situation where he's less likely to get hurt coming into the season, right? I think it's it's a smart play by him for his future long term. Now, it might in the in the in the interim or in the short term hurt his relative draft stock, but we're talking three, four, five picks. It, it's not going to be a huge deal either way for him, right? For sure. And, and think, if if it does it all, if it does it all, right, right. There's still a chance he goes three or four, and we'll see. Um, I also think that all these drills are not created equal. Um, yeah. and that should also be said, like the 40 is very technical. Um, yeah. you know, we always say that if, if you're just a random person, I can cut two tenths off your 40 instantly. I just got to teach yeah. you how to start. Correct. Right. So if you, you and Chris did a great video last year, uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris, or who was in jeans? Were you both in jeans? I was uh, in doing, jeans. Yeah. yeah. It was tough. Get, getting down in that, that 40 start, uh, in one of the, the hallways in the Indianapolis <laughs> convention center. Um, but yeah, no, we, you know, 
it, it's pretty easy to to mess that up, right? The technical track start, the three point stance start has a huge impact on that total time. And by the way, you know, a lot of positions, the 10 yard split is more important than the 40. And that first 10 yards, if you're slow out of the the stance, which really has not a lot to do with football, um, yeah. that that could matter a ton. The the five ten five is a super technical. Like if you know how to hit the footwork on that, you can put a much cleaner time up versus like, hey dude, jump as high as you can. Like dad tells yeah. me something about your raw athleticism. Yeah. Is there technique to a high and a broad uh, or a vert and a broad? Of course, but not as much as the forty or the five ten five. So I think you know all these drills are created differently and you know or or should be weighted differently depending on position, depending on mm. the drill, all that kind of stuff. And and I think that you know that's why some guys skip certain drills. And it's like not worth their time to train for versus others you might get a might get a reading on. And of course, it depends on the prospect. 100 percent. And I think, you know, again, you these these are pieces. Right. And if I'm sure. allocating yeah, pieces yeah. of the pie, right, like it's, you know, probably close to 80 percent, maybe 75 percent film. You know, the senior bowl is in, in that extra 25 percent combines in there. And it really just gives you like a point of clarity. It's like. Oh, this guy's actually not as explosive as I thought he was based on these measurements, right? And so you go back and watch the film and you're like, is this fatal? Yes or no? Like Dewan Jones is a great example. Like Dewan Jones ran like a five six or five seven forty last year at the combine. But there was no doubt in my mind he was going to be a great football player because he's his his 10 was pretty good, his on-field drills were pretty good. So like even though the 40 wasn't like this dramatic event. The other movement stuff kind of it's a big boy to run 40. <laughs> yeah. But it, the other movement stuff kind of fleshed out right. that he is a serviceable athlete. And then you marry that with the film and you're like, I feel good about it. Now, if he goes right. out and runs a really fast 40, but looks like dog, you know, you know what on the field, then you kind of say, well, maybe I go back and watch some of the film and some of those issues you had where you're like, oh man, I don't like how he comes out of this three point stance or this angle is a little bit weird or he gets his feet cut up those become more like that's who he is as an athlete as opposed to that's who he is as a football player. And I think it just kind of is the finishing touch for a lot yeah. of coaches. And I think like with the Marvin Harrison thing, I, as a prospect, and this is probably where I don't think there's a lot to finish. I don't think there's a lot of finishing. There's no questions about it, right? It's just like, like, like for example, like uh, Johnny Wilson, the receiver from Florida State, or, or Keon Coleman. Like people have legitimate questions about their speed, legitimate questions, and their explosive ability. So I want to see them run because yes. I have a question about it, right? Right. That's so I think that that's that's where it becomes like a little bit the, the clarity is important. Wrapping up here on a Monday, then I got to go home and pack. That's real talk, Vic. I got to go home and pack because I'm going to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, baby. And I leave at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Do you usually pack light? Are you heavy? What kind of a packer are you? Uh, I'm a pretty efficient packer. Um, this trip's this trip's pretty easy. Um, I don't think I need any like super fancy clothes. Like I don't know that we're gonna do a super. I guess I should probably pack in case we go to like a one nice dinner. <laughs> um, but I this is also admittedly a weird indie trip for me. Um, very much a business trip. Uh, typically. Like the reality of Indianapolis is a lot of people stay out till four in the morning, like NFL combine Indianapolis. Okay. Like you go out, there's coaches and scouts and executives. Like everyone goes to the same bars and the later you stay, you know, the better chance you got of talking to somebody important. Uh, Cause the, the herd thins out. 
And so a lot of folks, a lot of dedicated reporters, their dedication is, I got to stay out till four in the morning. That is not me. That is not my, one, I'm no longer a reporter. Like occasionally I do report things, but not my, I'm not at the combine to get information. I'm at the combine to maintain and build relationships and do phenomenal radio shows with guests that I can't get if I sit here. Right. That's why I go to Indy. Um, but it's also a chance to get FaceTime with a lot of people in the league and catch up with old friends. And like, there, there's a lot of benefit of, of going right. But I don't need to stay out till four in the morning. I also have one of the biggest fitness events of my life this weekend. It's an event called high rocks. We've talked about it a lot on the show. I'm running it with my wife and I need to be in peak physical shape for this weekend. So I need to make sure that my sleep is good and so I will probably have zero alcoholic beverages and I will definitely like I might not see midnight once. I might try to do one late night either tomorrow or Wednesday, but I don't want to mess up my sleep schedule and like routine is very important to sleep and I'm a bit of a, a nerd and a and a um very particular about my sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I uh yeah, I'm not. This is not going to be your typical indie trip for your boy. Are you getting older? Do you feel like you're getting older? I just had my 34th birthday on Friday. All right, Vic. Yep. I am definitely getting older. I'm 37. I feel like I'm 68. Well, you don't leave your house some days. That, that's true. Because all I do is play Madden. Yes. Which brings us to, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Vic is such a professional. Real things. We're not going to be so this year. Real people. Five and eleven. Not very good. Said into real microphones. You know the culture is actually damn good. Ah yes, the Madden video game slash the, the mention of a video game brings us to today's real things. Real people. Said into real microphones, courtesy of Chris Fowler on Twitter. Play by play voice. Of EA Sports College Football, it's back! Finally, I can tell you about what's been going on behind closed doors here in the smallest room in the house for about two years. Voiceover sessions for EA Sports CFB 25. Microphone, digital recorder, laptop where they have Zoom calls where guys from EA are engineering and directing these sessions. It has been fun. It's been taxing sometimes, monotonous at other times, because everything you could possibly see in a football game, even the mundane plays, I've said into that microphone many, many different ways. Bunch of stuff you'd never see in a real game. I've described. You want to punt on second down, uh, try a 71-yard field goal, that's in the game too, along with the appropriate analysis of those decisions. Your quarterback throws five picks in the first quarter or five touchdowns, we got you covered there, too, in detail. People have asked, when my team scores a touchdown, will there be appropriate excitement like a real game? Hell yes. EA insists on realism. I sat here in an hour and said, touchdown, Alabama, all the way down to touchdown, Wyoming, along with the version with the team nicknames. <laughs> it was like a month of touchdown calls in an hour. I needed the T for the voice. Wow. I will say, Vic... This is not where I think we anticipated this segment going. I am out of practice hosting a radio show. My voice feels wrecked right now. Uh, My throat feels awful. I think that highlight cut off. It did say, he did say he has uh, some tea 
Because he yeah, spent a month I'm, on that. I'm going to go home and have a cup of tea. A proper cup of tea. Mm-hmm. A little splash of milk. A little bit of, uh, of sugar. I wonder if he says, touchdown, Prince George's Community College. I don't think they're in Division One. Oh, I don't think. Man. Yeah, I think you're, you're out right. of luck on that one. You Now, you told me something fascinating before the show. You've never played EA Sports College football. Never did, but I might now. I I spent a lot of time in Dynasty mode, bro. All right. We uh, we won some national championships. I won a couple, a bunch of Heisman's. We created players that we then brought into Madden. Teenage years, many. We it's in the game. I was in the game. See you tomorrow from Indianapolis on the Hoffman Show.